This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Our prayer today is that the profound message Doug delivers speaks directly to your situation. You can send us feedback, suggestions on topics, or even your prayer request today, email somebodycares at somebodycares.org. And make sure to keep up with us on social media. You can search at Somebody Cares America and find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's lean in and listen as Doug shares today. Today I'm going to read an extrapolation from a chapter called The Author's Update 2021 from my newest book, Mending the Net, Bringing Hope in a Hurting World. It's formerly called Somebody Cares, A Guide to Living Out Your Faith, but we added some extra chapters and updated the book. I believe it's really relevant to where we are today. But before I do that, I wanted to read a scripture from Psalm 112, verse 4 through 9, which I pray on a regular basis. It reminds us, even in darkness or difficult times, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. If you've known me for any length of time or read my articles, followed me on podcasts, or read any of my books, you've heard this quote of mine. While men reach for thrones to build their own kingdoms, Jesus reached for a towel to wash men's feet. While we pursue exalted and high places, Jesus, the exalted one, left his highest place to pursue us. So why do we need to mend the net? An earlier version of this book was published in 2001 under the title, Somebody Cares, A Guide to Living Out Your Faith. My original working title was Mending the Net with the theme of passion for God and compassion for souls. In fact, Promise Keepers had distributed 1,000 copies of my pre-published version entitled Passion for God, Compassion for Souls. You can find all three of these themes interconnected throughout this book, Mending the Net, Bringing Hope in a Hurting World. We have returned to the original title because we believe that now, in our polarized culture that has even permeated parts of the church, it's more important than ever for us to cross our racial, denominational, and generational lines and to become part of something bigger or greater than ourselves. But it begins with a return to our greater purpose, which can only come from our knee posture with vertical worship. We need the presence and heart of the Lord to work in us and through us in very tangible and real ways. As we went to press on this newest version of the book, we had all experienced and seen a season full of challenges and uncertainties. From worldwide pandemics and pestilence that has led to economic challenges and sharp differences, to polarization and divisiveness, racial tensions, even riots and lawlessness and anarchy in some of our cities. Scripture reveals to us that all that can be shaken will be shaken in Hebrews 12:27. The whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs, it says in Romans 8:22, and the nations rage, Psalm 2:1. 
Jesus mentions all of these and more in Luke 21, including the distress of nations with perplexity and that men's hearts were failing them from fear. More than ever, the church must be intentional about crossing our difference to bring healing and hope. Only a church united can bring healing and hope to a nation divided. So how do we do this? Number one, we must spread the net, opening ourselves up to vulnerability before God. Secondly, we must wash the net as we allow God to cleanse us individually and corporately as the body of Christ. And third, we must mend the net, crossing our racial, generational, denominational lines to become part of something greater and bigger than ourselves. And finally, we also need to cast the net. As we allow God to cast us as a mended net together to bring in a greater harvest, there's so many out there who are feeling weary and well-doing, like they have nothing left to give. But Jesus never asks for what we don't have, only for what we do have. And when we offer what we have with thanksgiving, He takes our fishes and loaves and multiplies them, giving us more than what we need. It's my belief that from a benevolent standpoint, the church in America has helped make America a blessing to the nations. We as the church have given to those who are suffering from disasters or hard times both in our own country and in other nations. And regardless of their personal preferences, political persuasions, pigmentation, or even religion, by caring for those in need, the church has given a redemptive access to God's promises we see in Isaiah 58.8, that in our time of need for healing, our healing shall spring forth speedily. This, I believe, is our redemptive thread as a nation. If we're going to impact our generation in a world in turmoil and going through difficulties, we need to have a purpose greater than ourselves. Scripture tells a story of when Saul had his Damascus Road experience. Jesus gave him a revelation of himself and said to Saul, I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Acts 26, verse 16. In other words, the moment each and every one of us get a revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, we have a purpose greater than ourselves, and that purpose is beyond building our own kingdoms. In the 1990s, the Wall Street Journal featured an article addressing businesses as they were trying to transition with the economy at the time. The headline read, Collaborate or Die. Let me say that again. In the Wall Street Journal, it featured an article addressing businesses as they were trying to transition with the economy at the time. The headline read, Collaborate or Die. In America right now, we see that while there are many churches that are growing, there are still many others that are closing. And the challenges that we all face is the body of Christ and the church trying to be relevant to the community and to bring healing in the midst of hurting. It's exasperated by the global challenges such as the pandemics, pestilence, famines, wars and rumors of wars, economic challenges. The list goes on and on. It's important for us then to become part of a greater cause, to be a tangible expression of Christ to the world around us. The institutional church versus the incarnational church is like religiosity versus relationship. We need to be imitators of Christ rather than clones of modern-day religion. In Luke 5, we find a familiar area of Scripture. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "'Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch.' But Simon answered and said to him, "'Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net.' And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking or tearing open.' 
So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Luke 5, verse 4 through 8 and verse 10. Now we know, of course, that for the next few years, Peter and the other disciples followed after Jesus. But something I noticed here in Luke and also in John 21 is that they spread the net, washed the net, cast the net, and mended the net. When we too, as the body of Christ, are spread out together, washed together, mended together, and cast together, we catch a lot more fish together. With one fishing pole, you catch only one fish at a time. But as a mended net, we bring a greater harvest of fish. In other words, we're able to do more together. Notice here in this story that after they cast the net on the other side, they had to get their partners to help them because there were so many fish that the net was ripping open. Then Jesus said to follow him and become fishers of men. The principle here is this. The job that needs to be done out there is far too big for any of us alone. We cannot do this alone. We need one another. I like what Pastor Joe McKeever wrote, and it can apply to any of us, not just to pastors. He says, the four-year-old says, I can do it myself, has a lot in common with the typical pastor. Pastors are notorious for their Lone Ranger approach to ministry. It's what I call the number one failure of 90% of pastors. They prefer to go it alone. And the late Scottish pastor Robert McShane said, there is nothing more deceitful than your estimate of your own strength. Remember, you're not a tree that can stand alone. You're only a branch, and it's only when you abide in Christ that you will flourish. Many times under stress and tension, we tend to go back to what we're comfortable doing rather than doing what God says to do. We actually see this happen with Peter and some of the other disciples after the crucifixion. John 21 verse 2 through 6 says, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Sound familiar? But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the other side of the boat, and you will find some. And they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Now this had to be a deja vu moment for Peter. He was a professional fisherman, yet he wasn't able to catch the fish without the instruction from the Lord. There are things that only Jesus can do in and through us that we can never do in our own strength, our own capacity. And through Christ, we need one another to get those things accomplished. It's a mended net working together, washed together, and cast together that brings in a greater harvest of fish. I believe the Lord is still telling us today that the job to be done is bigger than any of us. We cannot do this as a lone ranger, using a fishing pole to pull in one fish at a time. We need to become that mended net, part of a purpose and a cause greater than ourselves. If we're going to make the kind of impact the Lord wants to make through us, there must be an exponential synergistic move of God's presence upon the church and upon us as leaders to recognize we can't do this alone. We need one another. Otherwise, the net will rip open. 
We need each other if we're going to impact the generation and the nations of our time. Although our ministry began in the early 1980s and was already involved across the nation and beyond, it was in 1995 that we launched a network called Somebody Cares Houston, unveiled as a citywide effort to reach out at a grassroots level to at-risk youth and those in low-income urban communities. There was a need to link those working in struggling urban areas with suburban churches so the church in Houston could reach an entire city for Christ together. I call this co-pastoring a city. When you think of terms of pastoring a city with over 6 million people, such as Houston and beyond, you realize there's something you cannot do alone. You need to be a part of something bigger than yourself. To quote a pastor from a local mega church, he said, Doug has caused me to realize I am part of a team of shepherds under the great shepherd that is called to pastor a city of six million people. End quote. You see, Somebody Cares Houston, Somebody Cares America, International, all of our relationships has become known as a coalition and network of organizations and churches impacting communities through prayer initiatives, compassion outreaches, training and responding in time of crisis as well as encouraging and equipping leaders globally. Together, we provide guidance to our chapters and centers, as well as our partner churches, ministries, and organizations. But more than that, it is really what the body of Christ should be doing as a whole. Part of our mission statement with Somebody Cares is, from Houston, Texas, to the four corners of the world, from urban to foreign missions, from inner cities to unreached people groups, we are impacting communities and helping to transform lives through united efforts of prayer tangible expressions of Christ, and community transformation through kingdom collaborations. You see, it's about the church serving communities and repairing the breach. More than ever, we need to be united for a monumental task. We have seen the critical importance of relationships to be especially true in responding to natural human crises and disasters. For example, in 2001, we joined with churches across the city of Houston to bring relief from Tropical Storm Allison. We watched in horror that same year when the World Trade Center's Twin Towers in New York City fell on September 11th and send encouragement and resources to friends there who are ministering in the aftermath. We experienced an escalation in our role as relief responders with the tragic Indonesian Ocean tsunami of 2004 and Hurricane Katrina and Rita in 2005. When the levees in New Orleans broke under the pressure of Katrina's battering, 80% of the city flooded and a mass evacuation began with thousands of people headed our way. Imagine your city's population growing in a matter of two days by over 250,000 more people, homeless, jobless, with no money or belonging except what they carried with them. People began showing up at our office in Houston looking for help. For days, the entire first floor corridor of our office building that we rent from was a sea of desperately hurting humanity. Overwhelmed by what I saw that first day, I vowed that we would send no one away without helping them. The problem was we had nothing to give, but the body of Christ across the city and across the nation rose to the occasion. At the time, our friend Kim Cossie McKee worked for KSBJ Radio. She called to tell us the station was directing their listeners to drop off gift cards at local YMCAs, and the cards would be collected each afternoon. Would we be willing to receive and distribute the cards? I answered yes without hesitating. By the end of that first day, every person who came to the office received at least one gift card to meet some immediate need, along with prayer and hope. 
We also had churches sending volunteers to help with phones, which were ringing nonstop. Truckloads of food and other necessities began to arrive from all over the country. Local businesses donated warehouse space or rented it for a minimal amount. One ministry donated cots that we gave to churches so they could set up shelters and places for people to stay. A pastor friend came to offer manual labor. But when he saw our tiny staff working so hard to meet the astonishing amount of needs, he realized what we needed more than anything was prayer. So he mobilized a 24-7 prayer room in our fellowship hall. During those first few weeks of the crisis, in our Houston office alone, we served over 21,000 people, while also helping to serve shelters and distribution centers at over 100 locations throughout the city and other locations in Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. By God's providence, I had also been serving as an interim preacher or pastor at a church in Beaumont called Cathedral in the Pines. When Katrina hit, the elders agreed that the church could become a Somebody Care Southeast Texas processing center for the evacuees coming from Mississippi and Louisiana. Many evacuees were staying nearby at the Ford Arena, and I was asked to speak to bring a message of encouragement. Less than a week later, and only three weeks after Katrina, Hurricane Rita hit the area, and these people and others who had already evacuated had to evacuate once again, along with local residents throughout Southeast Texas. Because the church was already serving with us in Katrina Relief, we were able to quickly set up a distribution center for residents and other churches across the region, distributing food, materials, and even housing teams. And because of relationships that we had made during our work with the Kobe earthquake in Japan, we even had a team of Japanese relief workers join up with us and our teams and volunteers. One of our partners estimates that the Somebody Cares Collaborative, with all the ministries we networked with during that time, facilitated over $40 million worth of goods and supplies distributed through our Katrina and Rita Relief Partners throughout the Gulf. How incredible are the possibilities available to us when we work together? They are so incredible that even the secular world will take notice. The work of the faith-based community was even acknowledged by the federal government. H. James Towie, former director of the White House Office of Faith-Based and Community Initiatives, said the churches are doing more than what they say they're doing on nothing because that's the passion of their heart. You see, this is the principle of mending the net. Jesus instructed the disciples to cast the net to bring in the harvest. An individual or a church with only one fishing pole can only catch one fish at a time. But when we come together as a net that is mended and interlinked, even with our diversities and our distinctives, we become the net that works. Richard Inahosa, who was part of the original Somebody Cares Houston Advisory Board, was working as an associate pastor at Resurrection Life Church in Picayune, Mississippi, when Katrina hit. When his church began relief operations from their parking lot, Somebody Cares was one of the first organizations to direct trucks and food to their location. In the first two and a half weeks, over 23,000 cars came through the church parking lot, and we were able to help 100,000 people, Richard Inahosa said. And that's a lot of people, especially when you're talking about a town that only has 15,000 residents. The community began to see that what the government couldn't do and what the agencies couldn't do, the church was willing to do and could do. But most of all, Richard says, it was a time to truly comprehend the value of being connected. He said, you don't fully understand the importance of relationship until you're at a place where you really can't do something by yourself. After Katrina hit, we watched the body of Christ be the body of Christ. When the crisis hit, the network was already in place. 
He says, for years we heard Doug talk about mending the net. It's not just a message now. We've lived it. It's real and it works, end quote. These principles are not just theory. They are proven principles that worked even during the 20 years before the book Somebody Cares was published, when some of our biggest challenges were HIV, AIDS, gangs, at-risk youth, homelessness, and street kids, and they still work in every challenging situation we're facing today in 2021. We've not only seen them work in Houston, but adopted and multiplied in other locations around the U.S., and internationally through our Somebody Cares chapters, affiliates, church partners, and other relationships. We have seen them work in the aftermath of Hurricanes Ike, Harvey, Maria, Florence, Michael, and Laura, Superstorm Sandy in New York City, the earthquakes in Japan and Mexico City, Typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines, tornadoes in Moore, Oklahoma, Birmingham, Alabama, and numerous other storms, wildfires, floods, and natural or human disasters. We've seen God's principles and kingdom principles work in everyday challenges in communities, cities, and nations. And yes, we've seen them work when shutdowns from a pandemic created social upheaval and caused economic hardships to families across our entire country. While I was working on the manuscript of the book, Mending the Net, Bringing Hope in a Hurting World, my heart was stirred with the timeless testimonies from the early days of the ministry that we began in the early 1980s along with the more recent updates throughout the book that I wrote and in the closing chapter. May we all become a part of that mended net. May we give ourselves afresh to Jesus so that He can cast us out together and bring in a great harvest of revival. We hope that today's episode was both challenging and encouraging, and we want to invite you to head over and check out the show notes. There you're going to find key thoughts and key scriptures that were discussed in today's episode. You'll also find the link to pre-order his brand new book, Mending the Net, Bringing Hope to a Hurting World. So be sure to check out our episode notes today at charismapodcastnetwork.com forward slash show forward slash a word in season. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.